Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. An Erios production. Menopause is coming and the men have all left town. But I'm not giving up until I see that baby crown. Could be bald and bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball. Gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite. I just need sperm. Sperm cast. Hi, and welcome to the Q&A episode. That's right, in this episode, you're just going to hear a lot of Q's and A's from me and Amanda, plus some other little, you know, some other things might pop in here and there. Now, before we get started, I just want to give a big old thank you to my newest patrons. We've got Mikhail Garver, Jackie G, Amy Altadonna, April Demoldor, <laughs> Emily Kolazinski, and Susan Fisher, in case I didn't get you last week, but I think I did. Wait, are there more? Joni Vernasco? Caroline Shriver, I think I got, I think the Laura Keelholtz, I think I've already said these ones. Okay, thank you all so much for being my patrons, and if you're out there and you and you want to be a patron but you haven't joined the Patreon yet, go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast, subscribe for a dollar or two a month or thirty dollars, whatever you want, baby, I'll take it, and you'll have access to all kinds of interesting content, exclusive content, all of my ups and downs in real time. And now, for the Q&A. And we're recording. We're recording from Stamp Foods in Los Feliz. Mm-hmm. Molly and I just ate lunch. I had a chickpea sandwich. Delish. I had a chickpea salad. A lot of the chickpeas from my sandwich fell out onto my side salad, making it a chickpea salad. What'd you think of that? <laughs> Pretty good. I had some vegan ranch. Dang. Um, so you haven't filled me in fully on what you're doing. Yes, correct. Because you said, wait till I can get you on a mic. <laughs> it, was a, it was a secret. Okay, so what's happening? Sorry, but somebody just walked by that I see on Tinder all the time. Seriously? And I'm so embarrassed because I'm holding a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, everyone podcasts these days. But I never swipe right on him. I'm not interested. Well... Was he hot? No, I'm still not interested. Okay, well, good to know. There's just, your validation. I feel weird. Yeah, good instincts, Momo. For some reason, Molly is so embarrassed to be talking into mics. We're just alone on a patio of a, like a little cafe. Well, I'm more self-conscious than anyone realizes. You are? I'm always thinking about myself. <laughs> God, how, how hard. Maybe I should turn my back to the... Maybe you and I should switch seats because I'm looking at everybody. Just stay put. Okay, This fine. is a good exercise in not caring what people okay, think. I'm sitting back in my chair. Okay, so I have to fill you in. Yeah. Okay. So the last my listeners heard, I had found out that my that one of my mosaic embryos, the rebiopsy came back as a normal embryo, which doesn't mean that it's not still, doesn't still have any abnormal cells. It's right. just maybe a little lower risk than it was before. Right. 
And then I'd gone to see the, the other doctor at the fertility clinic, the other fertility clinic, and sorry, I'm very distracted. Is it, uh, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Yeah. But honestly, y'all, I was not getting there. It took me forever. I was too self-conscious to talk at this place, and I just I couldn't get it all out in a way that made any sense. So I'm sorry, but instead of giving you 10, 15 minutes of me rambling, I'm going to be more concise about it and tell you right now. Well, I sure left y'all on a cliffhanger last week. Would I transfer my frozen embryo or go back to Dr. Chung and thaw my frozen eggs? Well, it was a very hard decision that I didn't take lightly. If I transferred the embryo, I could possibly get pregnant. I mean, maybe that embryo was my baby, the baby I was meant to have. And I could save ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000. And yeah, I know I shouldn't be thinking about the money, that, that shouldn't be part of the equation, but that's way easier said than done, especially since I don't have any money. But then again, I could also spend $3,500 on a transfer and it might not implant. Or it might implant and I have a miscarriage. Or I could get pregnant, start feeling really great about this pregnancy, and then have an amniocentesis at 14, 15, 16 weeks and find out that the embryo did not self-correct and that the fetus has this chromosomal abnormality. And then I'll have to make the horrific decision of whether or not to terminate the pregnancy and, you know, end up maybe hating and blaming myself forever. But how likely is it that my embryo would make it through implantation and make it to 14 or 15, 16 weeks and have this genetic abnormality? The answer is that nobody really knows because there's not enough data about mosaic embryos yet. But what I do know is that when you do a fresh transfer without doing genetic testing, you transfer two or three embryos at a time, hoping that one will be normal and one will stick, and knowing that one or two will almost definitely be abnormal. Abnormal embryos are transferred all the time. I also know that if the results of my first biopsy had come back with no mosaicism, that if it came back normal, I would never have done a second biopsy and I would never have questioned whether or not the embryo was normal or not. I would have transferred it with no question and I probably wouldn't have done an amniocentesis at 14 or 15 or 16 weeks. I also know that in my Mosaic Embryo discussion group on Facebook, there are a couple women who have healthy, genetically normal babies that started out with the same minus 9S mosaicism that my embryo had in the first biopsy. And there are a couple pregnant women whose babies are testing genetically normal at 14, 15, 16 weeks, even though theirs started off with minus 9S mosaics. And there are also a couple of women who are transferring their minus 9S mosaics any day now, or who have just transferred them. I also know that my genetic counselor seemed to think that the risk was low. So, with all of this information, was I ready to make a decision? No, I was not. I knew what I wanted, but I still hadn't talked to Dr. Kalin yet, and I just wanted some sense of clarity. Well, back on Monday when I left you on that cliffhanger, I got an email from Dr. Kalin, and it said this. I spoke to Dr. Stewart, that's the genetic counselor you heard on the podcast last week, and I think we should go for the transfer. Give me a call when you're free and we can discuss. Well, I was very relieved to get this email from Dr. Kalin, but I still wasn't ready to pull the trigger. If you remember from last week, Dr. Chung had called this her third favorite option, and after my mom listened to my consultation with Dr. Chung, she decided she didn't like that option either. 
But then I spoke to a good friend who's a pediatrician and I told her I needed advice. First, she helped me get to the root of my fear. And basically, my fear is that if I got bad news and came to the question of whether or not to terminate the pregnancy, that I wouldn't be able to go through with it. I forced her to give me an opinion and she said that as a pediatrician in a very busy children's hospital, she has to watch children suffering and even dying every single day and that she has to watch their parents struggling, trying to make excruciating decisions. And because of this, she said that she would without question terminate the pregnancy if she discovered that the embryo did not self-correct and that the chromosomal abnormality that the embryo displayed on the first biopsy was still there. So in her opinion, it would be the right thing to do for the child. Hearing this helped me a lot. Also, I have to say that just because I'm allowing myself to think about this possible scenario, it does not mean that I think it's going to happen. Obviously, if I thought it was going to happen, I wouldn't even consider it. I'm considering it because after doing my research, I feel like the risk is low. Moving on, there was only one more doubt I still had to address, and that was my mom's doubts. My friend said, Molly, your mom is going to support you no matter what. And I knew that, but I didn't want her to have extra worry for me. So I gave her a call and we talked about it. Turns out she'd done a little bit more of her own research that day and she was okay with me doing the transfer. With the okay from my mom, Dr. Kalen, the genetic counselor, and my pediatrician friend, I finally felt good about making my decision. I'm doing the transfer. Alright, so now we can get back to Amanda, except now we're not in the cafe anymore. We're in her car because I couldn't handle all the people walking around. I'm too self-conscious. Okay, so anyway, we're in the okay. car now and we're, Molly can relax. So you can, uh, you can just dish now. Oh, we can dish. Um, so, so I've decided to use the embryo. That's the news. That's the thing. But the other thing about that is that I don't want people to be jumping up and down excited about it because this isn't something I'm going to be sharing with the whole world, just my best friend listeners. (laughs) Right. Like, I'm not going to be be posting about it or talking about it to somebody I run into at Stamp Food, wherever we just were. I see. No, that makes sense. If people are following your journey, you don't mind sharing, but you're not going to be like... Yeah, I don't want to have a conversation on the street with people about it. Um, Basically, you're just like... You're being cautious about it. It's obviously not like your first choice scenario. It might, Mm -hmm. there's a chance it doesn't turn into anything. Mm -hmm. So like, but there's also a chance that, 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 that nightmare situation might happen. Yeah. And until then I'm not doing any baby shopping. Yeah. Until you're in the clear. I'm not crocheting until I'm in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. No baby names. No jumping up Uh, and down. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So you'll just kind of keep it private. Yeah. Among your thousand podcast, fifteen hundred podcast listeners, hundred thousand, hundred thousand. So <laughs> when um, what's the timeline? I just got my period, so probably twenty one days from now. Maybe that's the twenty first, okay. November twenty first ish. And what is the um? Okay, so for that's, in time for Thanksgiving. For in fact, I saw Doctor Kalen this morning. Hey, how are you? How are you? <laughs> Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Uh, it's kind of exciting. I'm being chill. Okay, I'll be excited. You okay? <laughs> Listen, um, 
your path here has always been, it's been a little, uh, always interesting a little bit. And so this is sort of adding to that. It's very interesting for sure. I'll give you interesting. I know sometimes things in life just seem like, I don't know, I think you had a, you, you, you had a sense about this. You, you kind of pushed it, like not pushed it, but like, you know what I mean? Like you, I think you. Well, it's weird. I, I mean, I felt like it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy because I was doing so much research about mosaics yeah. and stuff before. Yeah, it was like, yeah, like, we talked about it before and I'm like, let's like. That's not going to happen. Like, let's not go there. Like, this not. It's like, so... But I'm like, did I bring this on myself? Or was or did, or was this... Uh, metaphysical. I know, I know, I know. My right. friend Amanda, who you've met, is like, Molly, if, if your brain was that powerful, you would have been pregnant, like, a year ago. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. We would need sperm. Yeah, yeah. Just make it happen. <laughs> all right, well, let's see how many... We're day three right now, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so uh, lining of the uterus right here is appropriately thin right now. Mm-hmm. The uterus looks really nice, actually. Uh, over here on the right side, lots of pressure. So you're right over, he's got this guy right here. This might be like a remnant from last month. Okay. <laughs> today, uh, today is the fourth. So we're going to start taking estrogen pills today. Okay. Estrogen, two pills. One to have in the morning, one to have at night. Okay. Okay. You're going to come back on the 12th. Okay. You'll come back on the 12th. We're going to do an ultrasound at that point. That's when we're going to do the hydrosound. Okay. Okay. Then you're going to come back probably like the 15th. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking to transfer it on the 21st. Okay. Does that work? Yeah. Cool. And when does, it, when does one start progesterone? We would be the 16th if the transfer was the 21st. Okay. All right. And what do these um, ultrasounds determine? They're Whether taking your the, lining. The lining is yeah, I'll thicker. decide if I'm giving you more estrogen or less estrogen based on that and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Cool. Easy. It's pretty easy compared to all the rest of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. So we'll have a good dress. We're going to get okay. you estrogen and then I will see you next Tuesday. Okay. Thank you. Nice to see you. What's the process like to implant an embryo? Oh, um, well, I think he said he first will put me on estrogen on my third day of my period or so. That'll build up the uterine lining. And then you start doing the progesterone injections in your butt. And that's it. And then they monitor you and see how your uterine lining is doing. And is the actual... Um, implant or the actual procedure the transfer is it is, intense or is no, it kind of similar? It's kind of like um, an IUI. Uh, they put a catheter in there and they just um, pop the embryo in there. You, I think you can watch it on a monitor. Oh, you're awake. Yeah, you're just chilling. Damn. I Some think... people take Valium. Yeah. Do my friend took Valium? They told her actually it's their policy that you have to take diazepam or something. So you know. I might need a ride, Amanda. Yeah, I'll give you a ride. <laughs> um, okay, this is great. And so, uh, cautiously and then, great. And then, you have to do bed rest. For how long? A day. But that's crazy. And uh, there's a controversy about it in the industry. It used to be standard, and now half the places say it's absolutely ridiculous. You don't. You can just resume normal activity. Because it's like, that's what happens anyway. That what, what right, I'm, right. But, but I guess you don't know how your body's reacting because there's been weird shit happening. But you, and you then know? there was apparently there was one study that said bed rest was bad. And then I said, why? Why would it be bad? And she said it was because it reduces blood flow. Okay. Well, what about this? But, but anyway, Dr. Kalen's policy is still bed rest. So 
I got to do what my doctor says. It's just a day of bed rest. Like, it's not going to make a big difference. Like, and I get to watch Great American, wait, I mean, Great British Baking Show. <laughs> the Great American Baking Show. Yeah, I think one day of bed rest is no big deal. Like, that's literally like a lazy Sunday afternoon. Yeah, but you, you have to you have to lie down the whole time. You can't, you can get up to go to the bathroom, but nothing else. So I'm going to have to have people come over and do things for me. Oh, I'm sure you'll hate that. <laughs> It'd be so fun. <laughs> Molly loves the attention. I love it. So I had the best time on my egg retrieval I day. know you did. You were bragging about it. <laughs> I know you should have seen this girl after her egg retrieval just going through Whole Foods like she owned the place. <laughs> Saying, I'll take a bag of these tortilla chips. Oh, yeah. I had really bad heartburn that whole week. From the tortilla chips? From everything. I oh, ate a lot. You did. That, <laughs> <laughs> that day. Queen Molly. So today is supposed to be a Q&A. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing, asking you all those questions. I know, but we have some listener Q and A. I mean, questions. Oh yes, I saw you post that. Yeah. Hi Molly, I love your podcast. I've been listening for only a couple weeks, but have caught up a few months ago. Can you tell me about your genetic testing? Did you use a kit like Twenty Three and Me, or did you order it through your doctor? Good luck. I go on extra errands so I can listen to you in the car. Aww. Thanks. Tina. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. When I froze my eggs back in, in 2015, they did a test uh, with a company called Council, C-O-U-N-S-Y-L. And they do a, a genetic screening panel of like 350 possible mutations. And so that's what I did. And is that specific for having a baby or is it just across the board? They're just telling you what you have. It has nothing to do with... It tells me everything I'm carrying. I see. Including it, like BRCA? Uh-huh. Yeah, I oh. don't have it. But the, that, that company's name is now called Myriad. And I used, I used that for when I had Zach ski, screened. You had him do it? Uh-huh. But you have to get those in a doctor's office. I, you might be able... You can see a lot from 23andMe, but it's not comprehensive, I guess. Interesting. I don't know. It's How much does expensive. it cost to have a doctor do it? Well, the council slash myriad one was like 350 bucks, so it's probably more expensive than yeah. most things. But Alex did his in Boston, and I think it was like included with, I don't know, some like $200 thing. Should everyone be getting that done? I have no idea. But you're a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> but the incidence of cystic fibrosis among Caucasian people is 1 in 39, so... I know. It seems like... So is that something, say you do get pregnant and can they test for that in utero? You can. And then what you would do if you're already pregnant is probably do genetics testing on the mother and father first. And then if they found that both of you carried CF, then they would do an amniocentesis or, or, or a CVS chorionic villus sampling. I um, see. That might show it. Maybe not. Probably just an amnio would show it. But not So not everyone even gets genetic testing. Is it something you have to request? I don't know. I guess so. Because uh, I um, have someone I just know through mutual friends on Facebook. They have um, a little girl who was born with it. And oh. they were taken by surprise. Like it wasn't something they, oh, yeah, they so were they expecting. Must, yeah, okay. 
Here's a little bit of good news from the Washington Post. A few days ago, a it was announced that a long-awaited cystic fibrosis drug could turn the deadly disease into a manageable condition. A new cystic fibrosis therapy dramatically improved patients' lung function and showed clear signs of targeting the genetic root of the disease instead of just alleviating symptoms, a breakthrough so long sought that many doctors and patients are moved to tears when talking about it. The Food and Drug Administration last week approved the three-drug combination called Trikafta, five months ahead of the agency's deadline. The drug could benefit 90% of patients with the disease, a major advance over previous drugs that worked in a tiny fraction of the people with the disease or had more modest effects. Yeah, they must both have been carriers then and, in that case. And then the, they just never got tested. No, they, they wouldn't have known. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, so it's just not standard procedure everywhere you go to test. I guess not. But then the chance of having a baby with cystic fibrosis, if both parents have it, is one in four. It just seems like why aren't they testing everyone? Why everywhere? I don't know. For this stuff. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Do you want to find another one? Yeah. Thanks, Tina. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Molly, I'm such a big fan of your podcast. I can't believe I haven't written until now. I discovered you through Absolute Worst Podcast, and Spermcast has been such a funny, informative, heartwarming, reassuring escape for me. Anyway, I'd like to submit a question for your Q&A with Amanda. (laughs) This one's a little silly. I'm 30, my boyfriend is 28, and we plan on spending the rest of our lives together. We both want kids, but he says he's nowhere near ready. He'd like to wait at least five years, but I'll be 35 by then, and I'm worried we might miss our window. So, do Amanda or you have any advice on how to help your partner become ready to have kids? How do I gently nudge him to get there a year or two sooner? He knows the clock is ticking, but like a typical man, he's not worried. Oh, and if you pick my question, don't use my last name. I don't want to embarrass him. (laughs) Um, I'd also like to say that you're incredible, and this podcast is incredible, and you're going to be the best mom. I wish only the best for you. Thanks for sharing your journey with us. Thank you. I won't say her name. Well, she said don't use her last name. Oh, so it comes in from Madeline. Is it Madeline or Madeline? Madeline. I pronounce whatever I say, it's probably the opposite because I can Madeline Brand spells it this way. You think that Madeline, I think that's, I don't know. I think that's Madeline. I think it's (laughs) Madeline. This is an interesting question. You had a similar question to this on your podcast. Actually, yeah, I'll plug the big ones if you're not listening. You want yeah, to check you, it out. You listen listen to the big ones, you dummies. Yeah, the big one's one of the best podcasts out there. <laughs> um, but yes, someone wrote in with a question saying she really she's 29. She really wants kids. She wants a few kids. And she's dating a guy. And um, she doesn't know if he's her forever guy, but she is saying, should I basically have kids with this guy just to get the kids out of the way? Oh, that's a different question. But it is a different question. But there's still the kind of I know I want kids. I'm worried about 
age. I'm worried about well, what waiting. was your advice for her? I'm curious. I said, listen to Spermcast. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, I thank did. Thank you. Yes, I said, listen to Spermcast. And um, I said, I thought it was a bad idea to rush having kids with a guy you're not ready for. I said, if you're really in that much of a hurry, you should like consider doing it on your own. Like if you're stable enough and mm-hmm. then worrying about the rest later, because I think if you're not thinking you're with your forever partner to have children yeah. with them is going to end up biting you in the butt. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly not what I would have done. Right. That's, <laughs> and I also think like, you know, this girl, you also said dump him. Yeah, I did say dump him. <laughs> oh, I said, if you don't think he's the one and you're looking for the one. Yeah. Dump him. Yeah. So in Madeline's case, let's address her questions first. So she's 30, 29. What? She's no, she's 30 and her she, boyfriend's 28. And they don't want to and he doesn't want to have kids for at least five years, but they're together forever. Yeah, that's what she said. And so her question is, how do I gently convince him? <laughs> that is the question. So if if you're going to go the route of trying to convince somebody, I say maybe do you have a dog? <laughs> Bring him around kids. If he's 28 and he wants five years, I mean, it feels fair to me. Like, yeah, it that feels he's, fair. He's saying that, I mean, 35 is still... Well, it, for her, in her case... These are eggs. Well, no, I, I was just going to say, I think if we're not, if you're not going to try and do the convincing, I think that the smartest thing to do would just have your fertility checked a little bit. Just Just make sure that... There's nothing going on down there before it's too late. So get mm. your AMH levels checked, your FSH to have your uterus looked at, your ovaries looked at, just to make sure that you don't get to 35 and find out that you could have uh, been that, taking measures to kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Knowledge and is power. Yeah. Um, I think that's the first step. I don't think it's that hard to get pregnant at 35. If your partner's really, young, too. It's Yeah, I think it really just starts... I mean, it's going down our whole adult lives, but it really starts to take a bigger dip after 35. So also what's interesting to me is that a lot of times people have this idea in their head of like, oh, he, he's not ready for another five years. But as long as you guys are keep like continuing to have the conversation mm-hmm. and to talk these things out, like he, he might come around a little sooner. I mean, that's that was like weirdly how I was about getting married. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to get married until I'm 30. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I was just totally arbitrary. It was just in my mind, like I didn't want to be married young. Mm. Um, but then I ended up like, getting engaged i did end up getting married at 30 Mm. um but i got engaged at like 28 ish Mm. i think and did i or was i 30 when i got engaged and married at 31 does anyone remember (laughs) i don't know even know how old you are now i'm not sure 26 oh shut up (laughs) shut up you lying i'm serious Um, i don't know how old you you're always gonna be 26 to me i cannot believe it but i i and i just i thought for a long time i was 32 but you're 33 told me i'm 33 (laughs) last night i also told everyone that matt was 38 (laughs) he's is he 48 47 oh my god and i was convinced he was 38 (laughs) <laughs> I age is just a number to me, truly. It's not even a number. <laughs> but I, you know, I think as long as you guys, you see your boyfriend, girlfriend. I don't know if you're planning to get married or what. But also, to me, after I got he married, said, she said forever partner. 
And not everyone wants to get married, but there was something about getting married to me that made me go, okay, kids, like, mm. I think there's something to that. And I don't know if... Oh, and you're nesting, you buy a home together. Yeah. So Interesting. There, for me, that's what got me to the point where I was like, okay, I could see starting to talk about having kids. Um, but I don't know, you guys might not want any of that stuff. And that's great, too. I think just keeping the conversation going uh, as... I don't know if they live together or what, yeah. but... And then if you decide that you need to preserve your fertility, there is the option of egg freezing. But if you freeze embryos, they're more viable later on. So you have a higher chance of having a live birth from frozen embryos than you do from frozen eggs. And you know, if you know he's going to be your, your guy forever, you might as well freeze embryos. Mm, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. That might just make take a lot of pressure off of her. But before you do that, I mean, you've already got the guy... If you don't think it's likely that you're going to split up and I don't know, I just think you could just get your ducks in a row be ready for when that time is. Yeah. Get your fertility checked as much as, as you can. And if he says five years, maybe you meet in the middle and do like three years, you know? Yeah. Just keep the conversation going. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I'll look up another question. Okay, yeah. Thanks, Madeline. <laughs> Hi, this is for the Q&A. Lately, the question of using your frozen eggs comes up a lot, and each time you mentioned that you want to save it for Mr. Right. If, hopefully, you have a baby now, and later on you have the baby with Mr. Right with your younger eggs, would you love that child more? The language that you use makes it sound like you are saving the frozen eggs as if they are worth more, or that the baby you will have with Mr. Right is more valuable. Yeah, that's not, not how I feel at all. The reason I want to save them for for Mr. Wright or my husband is that I I just want I want to experience that with my my person. I want to be able to give my husband a child, but I definitely don't think it would make me love my child any less. You know, if anything, you'll probably love the first one more because it took you so long to have it. I'm definitely gonna love my first most. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you have to love one more. You, you have to, right? They're kind of projecting, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> but but while we're on the topic of my eggs, I emailed Dr. Chung and I said, if I if the transfer doesn't work with this embryo, would you consider just thawing eight of the eggs and doing a fresh transfer rather than freezing and doing um, PGS testing or genetic testing? And she said yes. And I'll cut in later with what that email said because it's an interesting email. She says, to answer your question, yes, I am open to the idea of thawing eight eggs if we are not planning to do the PGT. If we do, let's say seven survive and six become embryos, then I would expect or hope that two to three become blastocysts. If the embryos have not been tested with PGT and if the patient is comfortable with the possibility of twins, I usually recommend transferring two blastocysts at a time on day five. If we have a third blast, we could refreeze it. Letting them grow to day five helps us with selection, and since we know your embryos have the ability to progress to blasts, it makes sense to me to let them grow to day five rather than transferring them on day three, at which stage we could possibly have six to choose from. Transferring two untested blasts would give us about the same chance of pregnancy as transferring one that has been tested, about 50 to 60%, and comes with a 20% chance of twins. There is also a higher chance of miscarriage with untested embryos, about 30% using 37-year-old eggs. But the advantage of skipping the PGT is that you are less wasteful of the eggs in a sense. 
Since we know that PGT is not perfect, we could skip it and basically let nature decide whether the embryo is strong enough to become a pregnancy or not. So I think it's not a bad idea at all. Hope this helps. In the meanwhile, let me know if any other questions come up. Say hi to Dr. Kalen for me and best of luck with the transfer. Warmest regards, Dr. Chung. Oh, she's so lovely. That, like, If it's coming across like your frozen eggs are more valuable, it ju- you just mean that because as you get older, those are going to be more valuable because they're younger eggs. Yeah. Like they'll be, so you don't want to use they're them gonna now. They're going to have fewer genetic abnormalities yeah. than my current eggs that are in my body. So in that way, they're more valuable, but it's not like that has anything to do with how much you would love a child. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was just being, I think, or he was being uh, theoretical. It's a guy. Is it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This girl wants to walk into traffic, right? She almost got hit by three cars. Yeah. Okay. All right. But we're the weirdos podcasting in a car. That's true. (laughs) This podcast has brought me so much joy and some sadness, but I always think of how beautiful a story it'll be for your child to have when they're old enough to understand it. As of now at this moment, what memory of this journey brings joy to your heart when you think of your appropriately aged son or daughter hearing it? What what comes to my heart? Um, they're asking you, as of now, what memory from the podcast... <laughs> this um, nightmare? Yeah. <laughs> ...brings joy to your heart when, like, down the line you think of, like, your child listening to it. I think the joy in my heart's going to come from being when I'm pregnant. Well, then we're going to burn all of these episodes, yeah. destroy the evidence so that no one can ever <laughs> listen to them. But I've learned lessons, I suppose, and those would be that I would do anything for you, little baby, and I would, I would just go to the ends of the earth to yeah. get you to to bring you uh, uh into this world there's girls smoking weed right in front of us it's legal baby they're just like two feet from your car i know i know it's <laughs> hilarious no, they actually well one's smoking a cigarette oh that girl does want to get hit by a car yeah um and the other girls are smoking a blunt <laughs> they're cool they are cool oh, okay maybe we should interview them <laughs> ask them about their fertility journeys yeah, do you have I'm trying any to think of, a, of an episode that I think could be special for a kid to hear one day. I mean, this oh, would my be... my mom and dad. Oh, that will be really cool. Yeah. The one where you talk to your ex-boyfriend, Dan. Nope. <laughs> They'll never hear that. <laughs> the one with the awkward insemination. Uh, oh, my God. Can you imagine hearing your mom get inseminated? <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> Have you decided if you are going to use the same sperm donor if you use your frozen eggs? You mentioned on a past episode that you might want to use someone else. That comes in from Jess. Great question, Jess. If if I were not trying to transfer the embryo right now, I would get a new sperm donor. And I've been looking. And I had a guy all picked out. And I brought his whole profile to Dr. Chung's to see if he was good. I can't use him. Apparently, he's CMV positive and I'm CMV negative. And that's a cytomegalovirus, and I don't remember what that is, but we can't do it. Oh, wow. CMV, or cytomegalovirus, is a member of the herpes virus family that includes cold sores, chicken pox, and infectious mononucleosis. It's a very common virus that affects 50 to 85% of American adults. There is currently no vaccine for CMV. If a woman has never encountered CMV and has her first exposure during pregnancy, there is a 30 to 40% chance of her fetus being infected as well. The majority of children born who experience a CMV infection before birth are 
are healthy and normal. However, 10 to 15% have complications such as hearing loss, neurological abnormalities, or decreased motor skills. Infants who are infected with CMV after they are born rarely experience any long-term complications. Now, I'm confused because I've absolutely had chicken pox and I've definitely gotten plenty of cold sores in my life, especially every single September, right as school was starting, right on my upper lip for everyone to see. So if I've had cold sores and chicken pox, doesn't that mean that I'm CMV positive? Anyway, okay, well, now I've got to go and figure that out. Oh, wow. If my transfer doesn't work and I go back and use my eggies, then I've got to find a new donor. Or if my transfer does work, then I'm going to buy more sperm from the same guy and have it for a sibling down the road. Do you think you're going to want to have another kid as a single mom? (laughs) You will? Uh, Yeah. You want to? I would love to. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have a sibling for my little one because I just like don't want them to be bored all the time. Yeah. While I'm editing my podcast. I know. And then they can entertain each other. Hey, Molly, I binged your podcast over two weeks. How fun. That's it's a great binge. I bet. I'll spread the word to my friends to listen. I was wondering what your affiliation with The Bachelor was. Oh, you mentioned it a few times, but I can't figure out. But I can't figure out what you did with it. I wonder. I assume you weren't on it. Was it a spoof? I don't think you ever mentioned exactly what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Did I never mention what it was? I don't Um, know. In case I didn't, I back in 2017 or 2016. I don't remember. I edited myself into a whole season of The Bachelor. It's genius. And early on, people actually thought I was on The Bachelor. It was so funny, and it kind of went viral, and it was written about in, like, Time and Self and Women's Health. Incredible. And Holly Wire and fucking, I don't remember, the Refinery29, Mashable. Amazing, amazing. It was so, so funny. And you can find that on Molly Hockey. Uh, I mean, you can find that on YouTube. Just look up Molly Hockey. M-O-L-L-Y-H-A-W-K-E-Y. Enjoy. Enjoy. There weren't a lot of cues. There were some decent cues, though. Yeah, good cues. Hopefully Do you have they- any more cues? God, no. I, I'm excited. I'm consciously excited about the mosaic egg. I think that's gr- uh, cool. I'm just going to call it the embryo from now on. The embryo. I keep calling yeah. it the mosaic too, but it's just an embryo. Yeah, just an embryo. I'm cautiously excited about that. I, you know, think it's a great choice. Great. Thanks for helping with me, my, my, me, me, me. Thanks for helping me with my Q&A, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. Bye, Molly. So I said goodbye to Amanda, but then over the next couple of days, I got a couple more questions. So now it's just me, and I'll try to make this interesting by myself, but it'll be hard. Okay. Hi, Molly. My question for you is, do you ever feel weird knowing that there are people listening who are not going through or have not previously been through similar experiences to you on this journey? As in, is it just listening for entertainment and curiosity? Big love, another Molly. Thanks, Molly. So I don't know what the demographic of my listeners is, but whether you're listening because you're going through it or you're listening for pure entertainment, I think, or I like to think that I'm helping to normalize this subject and making it less isolating. So I'm okay with it just being listened to for entertainment if the overarching thing that happens because of it is that people feel less isolated and people feel more able to talk about this and have conversations about what they're going to do when they want to start a family or whatever. You know what I mean? 
The only person I don't want listening to this podcast is the guy that I was dating when I started making it because my ego is bruised and I don't think it's fair that he gets to know everything about my life and I don't know shit about his because his Instagram is private and so is his Facebook. But anyway, he's not listening. And even if he was, I wouldn't care. Whatever. I'm over you. Thanks, Molly. All right, I've got another question. This one's from... What? Laura. Hi, Molly. I've been TTC, that's trying to conceive, for 1.5 years, a year and a half. (laughs) I've been very private about it, and I really don't know why, because I'm super open with the people I've told. I'm so thankful for you and your journey. I'm considering going more public because paying for fertility treatments and sperm is part of my why for a side business that I run. Here's the question. What have been the benefits of being so open about your journey and what have been the drawbacks? Thanks, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Well, like I said a second ago, it makes me feel great to feel like, at least feel like I'm normalizing this subject a little bit and making it easier for women and men in the future who take unconventional paths to parenthood. Um, But for me, it's easy to do that because I'm an oversharer to begin with. I could see why a lot of people might not want to share. I will say that I haven't gotten any judgment from people. Everybody's been super cool. They're usually really excited and surprised and like, I've never met somebody that's done that before. But that's only because they don't know it's so common or becoming so common, which is all the more reason to make it more of a normal conversation. I also love that it forces people to think about their own future and what they're going to do about forming a family down the road for themselves. The other thing I love about sharing it is the outpouring of love and support that I've gotten from my friends and my family and my listeners. Okay, the downside about being open about it is that I don't have a lot of boundaries. Like, I want people to ask how it's going because I want to know that they care, but then I feel overwhelmed because so many people are asking me how it's going, and I, you know, in any given day, I've already talked about it three times, and I'm exhausted from talking about it, and sometimes I just don't want to think about it anymore, and then I feel guilty for not sharing with people. (laughs) The other downside is that sometimes if something bad happens, I feel responsible for other people's feelings. And then I worry that they're not going to be okay. Like my mom and my dad and my nana. Like if I'd spared them all of this information, that then they wouldn't have had to go through this excruciating roller coaster as well. But, you know, bottom of the line. Bottom, bottom line is, <laughs> bottom line is they want to be there to support me and they want me to tell them. I know they'd rather be there for me than not know what's happening. Uh-oh, I'm getting tired. Okay, one last downside, uh, people being excited when I'm not really comfortable being excited. It just kind of freaks me out. And then I have to like politely ask people not to be excited and I feel rude. (laughs) I guess the downside is just in general, um, it doesn't have anything to do with judgment or anything like that. It's just that you might just get a little bit tired from talking about it. But if you don't have uh, like a podcast about it, it probably won't be a big problem. All right, this one is from Gitta J on Instagram. She says, After hearing Dr. Chung express with no ambivalence that she thinks transferring a mosaic blast should be plan C, can you share why Dr. Kalen encouraged you to transfer it? Well, I can't speak for either of them, but I can say that they're both business people and it would behoove both of them to encourage whichever procedure is going to generate the most business at their facilities, maybe. 
I think. I don't know. That being said, I think that Dr. Kalin is also encouraging of me doing the transfer because he spoke with the genetic counselor and she gave him the impression that it was a pretty low risk. Um, and also because he knows my financial situation and maybe, just maybe, he's also starting to think differently about mosaics and PGTA. I'm just saying it's a big maybe. He's never given me any um, reason to think that. But, uh, you know, like I said, maybe he's just thinking about it a little bit more, maybe a little bit more openly. Uh, Dr. Chung prioritized those procedures in order, in the order which she thought would give me the uh, the highest chance of having a baby sooner. So it's not that she didn't think that pr- that transferring was a good idea, but that she thought that the other options were better options first because I would probably end up with a child sooner based on probability, I think. All right, here is a question from Camilla Rose on Instagram. And sorry, I somehow missed this one. I had this one before my conversation with Amanda, but I I, I didn't see it. So sorry. She writes, what would you say if you could go back and talk to 29-year-old Molly? She says, I'm 29 and I feel similarly desperate for a baby and similarly single. She also writes, as an optional addition, what would 29-year-old Molly do if money was unlimited and if money was very limited? Well, I would say to young 29-year-old Molly, live your life, girl, have fun, and enjoy your relationships, and don't break up with guys after two months because you don't think they're going to be the father of your children. Or do. What I'm trying to say is don't put too much pressure on yourself or them. Just see where things go. But at the same time, prepare for a future that might not look the way you think it's going to turn out. Because no matter how hard you try, you cannot control the future at all. And I guess if money is unlimited, freeze a bunch of eggs. Do like three cycles, freeze three dozen. And and if you have no money, something amazing that you could do would be to donate your eggs. And then you could use the money from donating your eggs to freeze more eggs uh, for yourself for later on. If I could go back in time, I would absolutely donate eggs and use that money that I got from donating eggs to freeze more eggs, 100%. That's if anyone would take my eggs and if I could stop drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes and weed. (laughs) Well, I would, though, if I had my head on my shoulders back then. Um, Here's one from Patreon. This one's from Laura. She says, Hi, Molly. Thanks for the wonderful podcast. Um, I've heard you mention that you have made a bunch of healthy lifestyle choices and take supplements. Was wondering what sort of things you recommend. I've heard all kinds of things can boost egg quality from avoiding toxic chemicals to taking antioxidants and have some friends who completely change their diet. Not sure what things work and are worthwhile. Wondering if you could share what you know. Okay, so... um, I've done a lot, and a lot of it has just been a byproduct of the lifestyle I already live, Uh, like a byproduct of my concern for the environment. So basically, I'm a vegetarian. No, I'm not. I eat fish, and I sometimes eat dairy. So I'm an ovo-lacto-pescatarian, but I don't like to use labels. Anyway, what that means is that I'm eating a ton of veggies and a ton of fruits and lots of nuts and beans and berries, and um, that's good for you. (laughs) 
Lots of veggies and fruits are going to put a lot of essential vitamins into your diet. But in addition to my regular diet, I take Ritual prenatal vitamins. I like Ritual because they source from nice places. I take D3. A lot of women are um, deficient in D3. I take methylfolate, omega-3, CoQ10, and sometimes I take iron, calcium, and zinc because uh, I know I should be getting them, but I think they're also in my ritual vitamins, so I don't take them all the time. I don't know. I probably take other things, but I can't think of them right now. Um, 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 the other byproduct of not eating shitty food for the environment is that I'm not putting a lot of toxins into my own body, so I eat organic all the time. Environment-wise, that's because pesticides are terrible for the environment and they cause the desertification of our lands. And I don't eat meat because we, you know, we lose rainforest. I'm not going to get into that right now. This is a large topic I really want to talk about fully. Um, Okay, so I don't eat pesticides. I, I mean, I only eat organic and I don't use plastic. Plastic has a lot of BPAs in it. I stay away from everything that has BPAs. That includes the lining of most of our cans. It should say BPA free or BPA lining or non-BPA lining. Oh, receipts are also covered in BPAs or coded in BPAs. And I can't remember what else has BPAs. I also stay away from phthalates, and phthalates are found in any ingredient that says fragrance or perfume on it. So any how any of your household products, if it says fragrance or perfume on it, that's like an umbrella term where people hide. There's you could hide twenty nine hundred different ingredients in there, and they don't have to report it to whoever. I don't know the FDA. So I don't use anything that has fragrance or. Uh, fucking, fucking my brain, uh, perfume. (laughs) Household products, skincare products, shampoos and conditioners, stay away from phthalates, P-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. They are endocrine disruptors and they cause birth defects and all kinds of shit. All right, um, what else do I do? Well, because I started having panic attacks a while back and because I have tummy problems, I stay away from alcohol and caffeine. So that's good for fertility, maybe. I do acupuncture. I see an acupuncturist regularly. I exercise. Got got to keep that blood flowing. Okay, I don't exercise enough. I really need to exercise more. I try to sleep a good amount. About, I think you're supposed to try to sleep eight hours. I usually get about seven. You're supposed to hydrate. I don't fully hydrate as much as I should, but I try and I meditate, and I don't know if that's good for fertility, but I don't know if it's good for me. I am doing it. I'm still alive. I think that's it, and I'm sorry for the crazy mashup of this answer, but I'm starting to get tired. (laughs) Hey, now, if you want more information on foods and vitamins to take and, and chemicals to stay away from, The book, It Starts With the Egg, is really good, and it's full of all that stuff, and it's probably where I got a lot of my information from when I first started. So, It Starts With the Egg. Good reference. This one is uh, from from Patreon. Uh, Baby names. Baby name ideas. If you end up with a healthy female and a healthy male embryo, do you have a preference on which one you would transfer first? 
well, I already know the sex of my embryo that I'm transferring, and I'm not going to tell anybody because I want to keep it secret because I don't want gender-specific clothing if anybody decides they want to give me presents <laughs> later on down the road. And as far as baby names go, I have a list of like 200 names, but I'm I'm not going to I'm trying not to focus on baby names because I don't want to become too attached to the embryo that I already have just in case. And here's another one from Patreon from Katie. It says, "Hi Molly, do you have any words of wisdom about how to embrace being single?" A little off topic. I just love your perspective on things and had to ask. Well, I am flattered. And the answer is no, I have zero wisdom on this subject. I I have never embraced being single. I've always been trying my hardest not to be single at all times. And well, there was one summer where I was wild and I didn't want a boyfriend. But anyway, girl, oh boy, boy, oh boy. Let's say, you know, try and enjoy yourself. <laughs> Get to know yourself and what you like and um, masturbate. (laughs) Oh, man. If Amanda was here, that joke would feel so much more uh, not weird. (laughs) Okay, what were we talking about? Being single. At this point, I've been single for so long that I can't even imagine finding somebody that would fit into my life. At the same time, I am desperate for companionship so I don't know honey (laughs) oh there is one thing that I do enjoy about being single and that's not having a guy uh, in the bed next to me snoring and keeping me awake because I'm a really light sleeper so that's it that was the last question everybody we did it wow that was fun that was interesting thank you for all your listener questions I hope I answered them in an okay way All right, everybody, here's what you need to do now. You need to go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. I'm sure you've already done this. I don't even know why I'm still saying it, but I have to say it in case you just haven't done it yet. Also, if you want to become a Patreon member, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash spermcast and subscribe for a dollar or two a month or more, whatever you want. Then you'll have access to all kinds of interesting stuff. You know what I'll put up there this week? I will put up the ultrasound with Dr. Kalen. I also forgot to put up the ultrasound with Dr. Chung. I'll put that up this week. And since I don't have any huge decisions to make this week, maybe I will have time to write out a list of all the vitamins uh, I take and the food I eat and why I eat them and what plastics are bad and what BPA is and what phthalates are. Maybe I'll write something, you know, thorough about that and it'll be on the Patreon. Thank you again to all of my new Patreon subscribers and all of my original ones and all of the ones in between. All right, anyway, if you want to follow me on social media, just follow Spermcast on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, mostly Instagram. You can leave a message or text me at 323-741-1818. You can email me at spermcast at gmail.com. I cannot think of anything else I'm supposed to tell you, though I'm sure there's something that I'm... Yes, thank you, Amanda, for doing the Q&A. And thank you to my listeners who wrote in with questions. And thank you, Dr. Kalen. 
Now if you'll excuse me, I'm going to take a long walk down to the corner liquor store and buy a pint of Ben & Jerry's ice cream. No, that's not something that's good for your fertility, but it's good for me right now. I'm warm and tired and that's, I need it, I need to do this. Update, I didn't go to the liquor store and get Ben & Jerry's. I went to the hippie store and I got Coconut Bliss, which is a vegan organic brand and um, it's not gonna taste as good. Okay, I love you, goodbye. You could be bald and bearded, shorter, tall, funny, smart, love basketball, from gay, straight, black, white, tiny eyes with an underbite, I just need Original. Powered by ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.